0: welcome to the city view community church podcast whether you're here for our weekly sermons leadership chats or conversations about life we are stoked that you are here if you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us head over to cityviewcc.com our prayer today is that you walk away challenged encouraged and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing god loving people and living on mission let's jump right in God bless you guys. How are you guys doing this morning? Amen, amen. My name is Joel Reyes and I am so excited to be here. I just want to give honor um, to Pastor Danny and Lauren. I know they're not here right now, but they are very, very good friends of mine. And when he uh, called and said, hey, I'm not, I, I want you to come to the church, I said, yes, I'd love to go hang out with you. Yeah, I'm not going to be there. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm joking. He's a really good friend of mine, man. He's, he's uh, on our youth board. I'm the state youth and discipleship director. Um, I know a couple of your students went to Winterfest this past January. Um, and we have, yeah, it was so good. And we have a win- uh, youth camp happening a, a week and a half from now. Um, and uh, Danny has been doing awesome work with us there uh, so keep that in your prayers. I'm just going to, there's a shameless plug right there. Help us keep that in your prayer. We're going to have, uh, we, were, we were praying and hoping for around 60 teenagers from all around California and Nevada to go up there to have a good time at camp. And two weeks into our registration, uh, we've had over 65. So we said, we got to get more beds. We're over 125 now. So y'all keep pressing prayers because it's double. It's like God was like, that's it? That's all you're going to ask me for? Let me double that for you. Uh, so just if you've been praying for something, double it, double it. That's what, that's not the message today. That's not the message. I'm just saying that. Um, but we're getting ready for youth camp, so that's, that's amazing, doing incredible work for the teenagers in this state and in Nevada. Um, I said this last time was here. I, I just want to remind you all again. I truly believe that the teenagers in this generation, I call them this generation, I don't call them the next generation. I call them the generation of today because if we wait until the next to reach them, we've waited too long. I believe that God sees them, calls them, anoints them to be leaders today. They don't have to wait until they're 21, 25, 30 to lead, especially within the church. God has called them, appointed and anointed them to lead today. So we're, that's what we're doing. We're going from church to church and, and city to city, letting teenagers know that there's nothing out there that, that's going to benefit you. If you're looking to move ahead, then look up, right? Look towards God who will sustain you, he's given you your identity, and he is all that you'll ever need. So keep that in your prayers. But I'm excited to be here. I've been here before, so I, I, I'm not a stranger anymore. I'm family. So on the count of three, I'm gonna do something. I want you to yell out your name. I already introduced myself, Joel, in case you forgot. Um, but on the count of three, I want you to yell out your name, all right? Cool and do a little exercise here. All right, one, two, three. Great to meet you. (laughs) That's a beautiful name. Your parents named you that, huh? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, cool. Now that we know each other, sort of, um, (laughs) we're family now. We're family. So because we're family, uh, the way I like to preach and teach is more um, definitely um, I'm very transparent, very open, and, and, and to share my struggles and what I've been through and, and to talk about the Bible and how relevant it is to our lives today. Oftentimes, especially teenagers, we look at the Bible as this ancient text that like we have to decode in order to figure out what God wants to, uh, us to learn and how to apply it to our lives today. But in reality, this, this, this Bible is, is living and it's meant for us today as well so we're going to go through the Bible in that context today today I want to speak to you a message titled into the fire into the fire I'm going to be reading in Daniel chapter 3 verses 13 and 18 so if you want to grab your Bibles and flip the pages to Daniel 3 13 and 18 or I know we're living in 2023 uh, turn your um, Bibles on and swipe to uh, Daniel 3, 13 and 18. And if you don't have the Bible or the Bible app, I will pray for you after service. Um, But we also have um, the scriptures on the screen that you can follow along there. Today, I want to be talking about a story about three teenagers. Yeah, youth director talking about teenagers. Three teenagers, very popular in the Bible. You may or may not have heard this story uh, before. It's about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and about a challenge that they were faced with in their lives. I'll give you some background information before we jump into the text uh, this morning. Chadrach, uh, Meshach, and Abednego were three teenagers that were taken into captivity in a, in a city called Babylon. And while they were in Babylon, the king, Nebuchadnezzar at that time, put out a new law or a new decree that simply said, hey, there is a gold statue in the middle of the city now, so whenever you hear the music," Whenever you hear the sound of the musical instruments, everyone needs to stop what they're doing, bow down to the statue, and worship my gods. So everyone was like, yeah, it sounds about right. We'll do that. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, yeah, hard pass. We're We're not gonna do that. We're gonna stand firm in what we believe because we believe we're only worshiping God and nobody else. Well, the thing is, the king said, if you did not worship this statue, then you would die. He would kill you. They they would throw you, not just any normal death, but they would throw you into a burning furnace so you could be burned alive. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego heard the consequences if they would not bow, but they still chose to not bow. So the king got angry, called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into his chambers, and this is where we're going to pick up this story. It's a crazy story, I promise you. Let's pick it up. Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, and says this, Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or worship the gold statue that I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the gold statue that I made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. For if we're thrown into a blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, We want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear that we'll never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you right now. Just thank you, God, for the word. Thank you, God, for speaking to us this morning, God. So I pray, God, you open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive the words that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So this story is crazy. So I'm gonna do something a little weird right now. I'm gonna spoil the ending for you, spoiler alert. When we get to the end of this story, the three teenagers are thrown into the blazing furnace, but they don't die. They don't die. Matter of fact, when the king throws them in there, he says, didn't we throw three guys in there? Why do I see a fourth figure and the fourth looks like the son of God? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't killed. They weren't burned. The Bible says they didn't even smell like smoke when they came out of there. God saved them. God protected them. So why? Why? why, If this story is so good, why am I going to jump straight to the ending? Why am I going to ruin the ending for y'all in the beginning of my sermon? No, I'm not going to do a five-minute sermon. We're going to go a little bit longer than that. The reason is because I think so often when we think of stories in the Bibles and just different things, we love to think about the ending or we love to get to the ending because God comes through. And we love stories that have this victorious ending of God saving the day. But what I really want us to focus on today, this morning, on this story, isn't the fact that God came through. It's the fact that these three teenagers had faith that they were able to tell the king, hey, king, I know that my God can save me. I believe he will save me. But the key word they said was, even if he doesn't. It takes faith to say, hey, I know he can. I know he's able. I believe he will. But even if he doesn't, we're gonna make it clear to you that we're still not gonna bow down. And I know we all go through these fire seasons in our life, One thing that I know about life is if you're not in the middle of a fire season right now, you probably just came out of one or you're probably going into one. You're going into a season in your life that's probably gonna be troublesome and you're probably gonna be angry or confused in the middle of, it's just the, the way that life is. We're living in a broken world. So we're always going through the fire, coming out of the fire or going into the fire. How do you stand firm in the middle of of the fire. It's the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. So today, I want to talk this, this, this message called Into the Fire and how we can have the faith that these three teenagers had in our everyday lives as well. So let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning, we saw that these three teenagers were thrown or were faced with a challenge. The king came out and said, there's a new law, there's a new decree, there's a statue here, and you guys need to bow down whenever you hear the sound of the musical instruments. And the very first thing that we're taught or we learn from this story is that the teenagers did not allow their challenge to change their character. So I'm gonna tell you that this morning as well. Don't allow your challenge to change your character. Don't allow your challenge to change your character. See, the three teenagers, they could have easily said, you know what, we don't wanna die, (laughs) that's normal. (laughs) I don't wanna die, so so when everybody sees us in public, we're gonna bow down, we're gonna bow. But in private, we're gonna say, God, you know our heart. You know we didn't want to bow down. We just just had no choice. We didn't want to do this, but you know our heart. They could have easily said that, but they decided to say, no, God does know our heart. But we need our actions to match our voice, our actions to match our words. We don't wanna just say, God, I love you in private and then live in public like we don't know who God is. But we wanna live a life that says, God, I love you in private and I love you in public. The person who I am behind closed doors is the person who I am in public as well. We will not allow this challenge to change our character. So what is character? Character is who you are at the core. It's who you are when nobody else is watching. It's integrity. So I put it this way. If you say and act one way around a certain group of people, and then you leave that group and you go to another group, and you completely switch up who you are and how you speak and how you act simply to fit in or to feel like you're accepted or whatever the case may be, that's not character that's you switching up and being a different character. Let me say it this way. If you come to church on on Sundays or midweeks and you say you love God here, but then you go to your jobs, to your house, to schools, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you act like the devil himself, those days, that's not character. Now, please, I hope you hear my heart and I hope you hear me today. I'm not saying you have to be perfect. God knows we're not gonna be perfect. God knows we're humans and we're gonna make mistakes and we're gonna fall. And there's gonna be days where you feel like you're stronger than what you really are and you're gonna fall. And one thing that I love to tell my teenagers is, God does not expect perfection, but he does expect per- progression. Meaning, you if you slip and fall, you don't live there. You don't stay down, you don't live in your failures, you don't live in your mistakes, but you get back up and you do this Christian word called repentance, you repent which is simply a fancy word that says I'm doing a 180. I was going in this direction, I fell, I made a mistake. I get up, I repent, I do a 180 and I go back to Jesus because I know at the feet of Jesus is where my strength comes from. So I don't have to live in my mistakes. I don't have to live in my failures. I can get up and keep on walking. God does not expect perfection, but he does expect progression. And that may be different for different people. I tell I was working with a teenager and, and he had just gotten saved. And some of my leaders were like, hey, like, we really got to work on him. Like, this dude cusses like crazy. And I said, okay. I told him, and he's like, man, I just, I just, I just, that's who I am, right? I'm like, no, that's, that's not who you are. It's just a habit, right? I said, would you cuss like 50 times a day? Yeah, something like that. All right, tomorrow, just do 45. Some of our leaders, what? Are you encouraging him to cuss? No, I'm telling him to be better tomorrow than what he was today and just keep moving forward. God does not expect us to be perfect. God does not expect perfection, he expects progression. Day by day, I'm walking closer to Jesus and I've understood this, the closer I walk to him, the closer I want to please him. I don't want to be who I was. It's not that God wants to wash me and make me new. He does wanna do that, but he doesn't say like, hey, I can't love you until you're perfect. He says, no, I love you just the way you are. But the closer you get to know me, The more you walk close to me, the more you'll want to be like me as well. I don't wake up every day and say, how am I not gonna cheat on my wife today? (laughs) I don't think that. Why? Because I love her. And because I love her, I want to do right by her. I don't think about what I can't do now that I'm married. I think about the freedoms I have now that I am married. get the opportunity to please her. I get the opportunity to spend time with her. I get the opportunity to have an intimate relationship with her. And it's the same thing with God. God is not this bunch, a, a guy who's like, I want you to follow all of these rules. He's someone who says, I want to have a relationship with you. And when you have a relationship with him, you don't care about rules and, and whatnot. You care about the person and his heart. And when you get to know his heart, then he cleans yours as well. We need to stop allowing our challenge to change our character. I remember one day I was in high school. High school's always a weird time. Teenagers, high school's weird. I'm gonna tell y'all right now, high school's weird. And this one particular day, I got to school and somebody told me, I heard this rumor that said that I was supposed to fight someone that day. I said, for real? And it's so crazy how in high school, everyone knows your business before you know your business. I'm like, what, I'm fighting today? Who am I fighting? (laughs) I had no idea. Right, So I come and they tell me this: this kid that that for some reason didn't like me and wanted to fight me. I don't know if you've ever been there that like for some reason someone didn't like you. you didn't, I, I don't know what, you didn't do nothing. It's just, they just didn't like you. So I'm like, all right, cool. Like everybody knew I was a Christian kid in school. I was a good kid, never really fought or anything like that. But at the same time, I'm, I'm not a punk, right? I like to say it this way. I was saved from head to toes, uh, but God was still working on my hands. So people can still catch these hands, right? So um, <laughs> lunch is coming up. And I'm walking and I see the kid that everybody said I was supposed to fight. And now, because it's high school, we're getting surrounded. Everybody's coming around us and they're like, ooh, it's about to go down. So I'm walking towards the guy and I see him. He sees me. I see him see me. And as we're walking towards each other, I'm like, well, I guess this is how it goes. Somebody jumps in front of me and starts fighting him. Now I'm confused because I heard that this was supposed to be my fight. But now somebody else is fighting the fight that was supposed to be my fight. I guess I must have gotten the wrong information. The rumor must have changed along the way and somebody else fought this fight. And I saw the kid and I realized it's somebody I knew, but he wasn't a friend of mine. Like we had the same class together, but I'm just so confused. Hallway monitor comes out, guidance counselor comes out, they break up the fight and everybody's like, I thought this was your fight. I'm like, I thought this was my fight too. I don't know, right? After school, I'm walking home and I saw the kid that jumped in to fight. So I saw him and I was like, "Hey bro, like help me figure this out. Like, why did you fight? I heard this was supposed to be my fight, so why did you jump in and fight?" And he looked at me and said, "Joel, I know you don't really know me, but but I know you. And I know you're that Christian kid and I look up to you. I look up to you and what you stand for." So when I heard the rumor that this kid wanted to fight you, I knew what he was trying to do. I knew that he was trying to ruin your reputation. I knew that he was trying to drag you down with him. And when I heard that, I said, nah, if he wants to get to you, he got to go through, through me. Because I'm not going to allow anybody to come and try to ruin your reputation and what you stand for. Which takes me to my second point. Not only do we not allow our challenge to change our character, but sometimes we need to stop defending ourselves and allow God to fight our battles for us. See, I didn't know it at the time, but what he was saying is, hey, I'm not going to allow this challenge to change who you are. I'm not going to allow this circumstance to change your testimony, so I'm going to defend you. I've learned a long time ago that some of us love defending ourselves. We love arguing with people. And what I want to tell you, for those of you who just love getting into arguments, stop arguing with people who continually drain your energy. In verse 16, we read, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. For if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. I wanna let you know that you don't need to defend yourself against every little attack that comes your way. When people talk behind your back, it says a whole lot more about them than it does about you. And I learned a long time ago to stop arguing with foolish people. Matter of fact, then I learned that's actually Bible too. Second Timothy 2.23, again I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. I'll say this and then I'll move on. Just because somebody posts something or comments something on TikTok, Instagram, threads now apparently, just because they post something that you don't like doesn't mean that you need to respond. Sometimes an unfollow and a prayer does a whole lot more than what your thumbs can do. Sometimes you gotta let go and let God. We need to stop being loud, stop arguing with everything that happens. You know what I learned? A lot of times when I try to defend myself and I try to fix my own situations before giving it to God, I make it a lot worse. (laughs) And then I give it to God anyways. What if we give it to God before we, we dig a bigger hole, before we make a bigger problem? But I've learned that some of us are more concerned about being right than living righteous. Some of us are more concerned about sounding right than actually living right. We would rather win an argument than win a soul for God, especially in the climate that we're living in today. Sometimes the best thing we can do is just pray and walk away. We need to be a generation that says, I don't want to be loud, I want to be loving. I wanna have compassion over conflict. I wanna have peace over problems. I wanna have patience over pettiness. We need to stop talking and stop defending ourselves and allow God to defend us and fight our battles for us because the Bible describes God as our great defender. We need to stop gossiping about each other and start praying for each other. And Lastly, don't allow your challenge to change your character. Stop defending yourself and stand firm. Verse 17 said, if we're thrown into a blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. If there's anything we need more of today, it's this type of faith that says, even if he doesn't, we need to stand firm. Why? Because it's easy to follow God when it seems like he's listening to every prayer you say. It's easy to follow God when everything is good, when you ain't got no problems and and everything seems like it's aligning with your plans for your life. It's easy to come to church And listen to a message or worship and raise our hands when everything is going right. But what do you do when it feels like God's not there? What do you do when it feels like you've been praying, but you don't receive a response or you don't hear from God? What do you do when the miracle or the blessing that you have been praying for, you see someone else receive? And you come to church and, and you see somebody testifying and saying, oh, look at how good God is. I received this healing, or I got this check, and I got this car, and I got, and you're sitting there like, that's good for you, but what about me? We may not say it out loud, but how many times do we think that or even feel that in our heart? God, I see you blessing other people, what about me? I see you coming through with for everyone else, but what about Me, what do you do when it feels like he's not there? Do you give up and quit or do you stand firm and say, even if God doesn't show up the way I think he should show up, I'm still gonna stand firm. See, I know if I were to pass around this microphone to everybody today, we can all talk about seasons where we've gone through the fire. Seasons where we didn't know if God was going to show up or not. I remember being seven years old, living in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. See, I grew up in church. My, my, my mom was the uh, small groups leader for the women's group. My dad was an evangelist. I grew up sleeping in the pews of the church. And this one Sunday, normal Sunday just like today, after church we went home, and I remember hearing my mom scream because somebody had broken into our apartment and stole everything. Now, I didn't remember remember this at the time, or I didn't know this at the time because my parents did a very good job of trying to protect us, but we were broke growing up. I grew up, I'm half Dominican, half Puerto Rican, Caribbean, so I grew up eating white rice, beans, and a fried egg every day. Now, back then, that was called a Puerto Ricans poor people meal. For me, it's just a delicious meal. I love it. I can eat it to this day. I didn't know that. So we didn't have a lot. So the fact that somebody broke into our house and stole everything, it broke my parents. And I can still remember hearing my mom's scream when we walked in. And I remember being seven years old thinking this phrase, God, why? Why would you allow this to happen? God, we go to church. My my parents work at the church, why would you allow this to happen? I don't know if you've ever been there where you said, God, why? Fast forward a few years, I remember being 18 years old and now I'm living in Florida, not a seven-year-old kid anymore, I'm 18 years old, make my own opinions, make my own thoughts. I remember my mom telling me and my two brothers, hey, we gotta go to the doctors today. I'm like, okay, weird, but okay. And we go to the doctors and the doctor sits us down and says, boys, I just want to let you know that there's a very realistic chance that one day you're going to walk home and your father's not going to recognize who you are because he just got diagnosed with early Alzheimer's disease. And now I'm sitting there in a doctor's office hearing these words, and I'm not a seven-year-old kid anymore. I'm 18, hearing these words and feeling anger come into my heart. Because why would God allow this to happen? And you got to think now, I grew up in church and I grew up here uh, singing all the songs in church and, and, and believing that God is a healer. But it's one thing to, to believe that God is a healer. It's another thing to actually have to walk out and believe for healing. I heard this saying a, whole, a, a long time ago. And it says that Christians don't tell lies. They sing them. Because we come to church on Sundays and we sing songs like, God, you will make a way. But then we leave this building, and the, the very first inconvenience in our life, we're like, God, you don't exist. We sing songs and say, God, I believe you're a healer, you're a miracle worker. And then when we hear thought, uh, hear uh, 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 things like this, what the doctor is saying, and then we say, God, why did you abandon us? How do you sing songs on Sunday and say, God, I believe you're a miracle worker And then when you need a miracle, you stop believing. Christians don't tell lies, they sing them. I've learned a long time ago that we need to stand firm in the middle of our fire seasons, why? Because it doesn't take faith to believe when everything is going well. It takes faith to believe when everything is going in your perspective the opposite direction. You don't need faith on the good days, you need faith on the hard days. And your faith is either going to show you how much you really believe in God. Do I have the faith to believe that God is my sustainer, that he will be my comforter, that he will give me the strength to move on, or is this where I say this is enough, I'm going to give up and quit? Fast forward a few more years, and now it's 2015. I'm in Tampa, Florida, and now I'm working as a youth pastor. So I'm not a seven-year-old kid. I'm not an 18-year-old teenager. Now I'm, I'm 25 years old, and I'm working within the church. And this one particular summer, I, we had just finished working youth camp, and my pastor, my friend, my mentor at the time, he was my pastor at my church, but he was also the youth director. We just did youth camp and saw uh, hundreds of teenagers come to Christ So the next week, my pastor says, he's like, hey, we're going on vacation. We're going on vacation this week. And we said, go for it. You guys deserve it. Time to rest. A week later, I get a phone call. Guys, stop whatever you're doing and pray. Pastor Josh was his name. Pastor Josh and his family just got into a car accident. My first thought was, okay, he's going to be okay. But I was like, you know what? Let's stop and pray anyways. So we stopped and we prayed for My pastor, Pastor Josh. An hour later, I get a phone call saying that Pastor Josh passed away. And in this moment, I was broken because I prayed for this miracle. I prayed for his healing. What do you do when you prayed with all your might? And it seemed like God didn't hear you. What do you do when you prayed with all of your heart and the answer you received was not the one that you were looking for? And if I can be honest and transparent with you, bitterness started to come in because all I can think about this pastor, young pastor, 40 years old, working with the youth, working with our city on vacation with his family getting hit by a drunk driver. He dies, but the drunk driver lives. How does this make sense? And as a 25-year-old, I'm sitting there saying, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand how this makes sense. And maybe something like this has happened in your life where you've been holding on to this phrase of, God, I don't understand. Can I give you some encouragement this morning? God doesn't call you to understand. He calls you to have faith. There's gonna be moments in your life, there's gonna be seasons in your life where you're gonna go through the fire and you have no idea why God allows things to happen or why God allows things to go the way that they do. And I wanna let you know, if you sit there and you try to understand the why, you'll drive yourself crazy, but God calls you to have faith and believe that his ways are above our ways. Matter of fact, Jesus himself speaking to his disciples said this, in this world, you will have problems, but take heart for I have overcome the world. Can I tell you that Christianity is the only religion that tells you you're gonna go through problems? Every other religion promises you peace on earth. Promises you that if you would just remove yourself from, from, from um, things, if you remove yourself from possessions, if you remove yourself, then you will feel peace on earth. If you remove, your, detach yourself, then you will feel peace. Where God is saying, uh, Jesus says, actually, in this life, you're gonna have to pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus told his disciples, if they hated me, What do you think they're gonna do to you? Now, I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. To me, that sounds like, man, that's a rough life. Why would I choose God if you're telling me I'm gonna go through problems? Well, this is the promise that God had. Yes, you will go through problems, but you'll never have to go through it alone anymore. Why, because the God that I serve promises you the Holy Spirit, which the Bible describes as the comforter. He says, yes, you're gonna go through pain but I will sustain you. Yes, you're gonna go through situations in in your life, but you don't have to go through it alone. Matter of fact, I will give you peace that surpasses all understanding, meaning you're gonna go through the fire, you're gonna go through these situations, and people are gonna look at you and say, why aren't you broken? Why didn't this situation take you out? And you can say, I don't know, all I know is that God is the reason that I'm able to continue walking. He is my sustainer and he is, my strength. Can I tell you that peace that God promises, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. So if you have God in the middle of your situations, you have everything you need. And I love that we serve a God that understands what we're going through. That he validates your pain. He sits there and says, I know you're hurting. A lot of times we try to present God as someone who just wants to remove your pain. No, he wants to speak with you first and meet you where you're at and tell you, I know you're hurting. I know you're going through this pain. I feel what you're going through because I sent my son to die on the cross for you. But here's what I'll tell you. You don't have to live here. You don't have to carry this burden alone anymore. God says, come to me all who are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. He's saying in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your fire, you can still rest. God does not promise to take away the fire, but he does promise to walk through the fire with you, which means you can go through the pain, you can go through the promise, but still hold on go through the problems, but still hold on to the promise of rest and peace in the middle. I'd rather be in the middle of the fire with God than anywhere else without him. And I can tell you, I don't share these stories so you can say, oh, poor Pastor Joel and everything he's been through. No, I tell you, I've gone through these things and I'm still here and I'm still holding on to Jesus because if I have Jesus, then I have everything. And I want to let you know, I don't know what you've tried. You may have gone to drugs and alcohol. You may have tried uh, relationships and sex, but there's nothing that will fulfill you the way that God will. You can try to fill all of this this hole in your heart with so many things, but there's nothing that will sustain you the way God can sustain you. There's nothing that will hold on to you the way the love of God will hold on to you. So no, I don't share these stories for empathy or grief. I share these stories to give you hope, peace, and strength. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, meaning by what Jesus did on the cross for us and the word of our testimony. Meaning we speak up about what we've gone through so we can spread hope to everyone else. I'm not where I was. I am who God said I am. And I believe that the enemy has not caused a generation of unbelievers. He calls the generation of mute believers, people who say they believe in God but will never speak his truth. But if you understood the power that is in your voice, if you understood the power that is in your testimony, if you understood the power that is in your stories, the reason I go around and I share the stories and the, and the struggles that I've been through is because I know that there is victory on the, on the other side as long as we stand firm and hold on to Jesus. I don't know what season of life you're in. I don't know what situations you've been holding on to, whether it's a current one or here's the big one. I don't know what bitterness you've been holding on to. Because I feel like there have been situations that happened to you in the past that you've tried to forget about, but all you've done is suppress them. And you've tried to bury them, bury them and forget them. But I tell you, bitterness, is like a hot pot. The more it boils, the more it's gonna burst out. God does not call you to suppress, he calls you to release. And I'll say this and I'll finish today. God cannot heal what you won't reveal. God cannot heal what you won't let go and allow him So whatever it is, whatever bitterness, experience, or situation that may have happened to you in the past that you've been trying to bury and try to forget about and try to stay strong and walk forward, I want to let you know you don't have to be strong. God says that he is made strong in your weakness. You don't have to be strong. Just have to let go and allow God to be your strength and your sustainer today. I'm going to ask you guys to stand up as I close this morning. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If you love God, then your pain has purpose attached to it. If you love God, then your story is not over. If you love God, there may be fire around you, but there is a God that is beside you. There is another in the fire. If you love God, don't allow your challenge to change your character. Stop defending yourself and allow God to be your great defender and stand firm so that you will be able to say that God is my defender. God is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my answer, he is my healer, he is my provider, he is my father, he is all that I will ever need. I grew up in an old school church and we used to say this phrase all the time, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. I used to think we were saying that to praise God, but really, we were saying that to remind ourselves That God's goodness is not dictated by my circumstance. That God is good, period. God is good all the time. God is good when my feelings aren't. God is good when my life isn't. God is good when my situation isn't. God is good, period. So today I want to pray for you guys, for those of you who feel like you need your faith to be strengthened or maybe even your faith to be restored. Maybe you've came to church this morning and and you only came because somebody made you. But today you were reminded that you need that faith again. Maybe some of you that I've been talking about that have been carrying bitterness, you just need to be reminded that God loves you, that God sees you and he hears you even in those seasons or in those moments when you feel like he's not there. I didn't know it at that time, but now looking back at all these situations, I can see that God was there. I was clouded by my own pain and my own hurt that I couldn't see him there. But looking back, he was the one that was wiping my tears away. He's the one that was holding me in his hands when I felt like I couldn't go on anymore. And in a season where I felt like I was in sin, because I grew up in a church that told me, you don't question God. You don't get angry at God. No, you just keep believing and keep moving forward. I want to let you know that maybe if you've been taught that in the past, that is so wrong. You can be angry and you can yell. God created us with emotions. He knows we're going to be angry. He knows we're going to feel pain. Matter of fact, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin, meaning you can be angry. Just don't let your emotions dictate your actions. You can go with him with your emotions. You can yell at God. Why? Because even while you're yelling at God, at least you're going to the right person. At least you're going to the one who can do something with your pain and emotions and your situations. So today, I just want to remind you that God loves you. God cares about you. And he sustains you not forgotten about you, he is good all the time and all the time God is good. So if that's you today and all you're saying is, Pastor Joel, that's me. I need my my faith to be strengthened. I need my faith to be renewed and I need to walk forward with God. I just simply want you to raise your hand and put it right back down say, I need my strength to be renewed. I need more strength. Thank you. Let's pray. Father God, I just come before you right now just to thank you, God, for everyone who's in this room, God. God, you see the situations and the seasons that they're going through, God. You see the hurt, the pain, possibly the bitterness that they have held in their hearts, God. But today, God, we say we give it all to you, God. So, God, I pray that your peace that surpasses all understanding may fill this room right now, God. God, let your love fall so that you let them know, God, that you have never left them or forsaken them or abandoned them, but you've been there all along, God. And, God, as we get ready to leave this place, God, I pray that you will renew our faith, that we will have the faith that says, God, I believe you can if you don't, I still stand firm. I will continue walking and believing, knowing that we don't need to understand, we just need to have faith. So thank you, God, for your restoration power. Thank you, God, for meeting them right there where they are right now, God. God, I just feel like you're just lifting heavy burdens off of somebody's shoulders right now, God. I thank you for the freedom that you're releasing in the room right now, God. God, I thank you for the tears that are going to fall today. Tears that are going to fall because a weight has been lifted off. Because we finally exposed something that we've been holding on to for far too long you are healing in this moment. God. Thank you for being a good, good father. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. And amen. I encourage you guys to continue walking in faith. Thank you guys so much.